I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Girl, I don't. Some bad hat Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing Bump Season 1. Damask Leary, how you doing, Visavo? Yeah, pretty good. So we've been on a five-day lockdown for the UK strain that's hit Melbourne. Um, yeah, thanks, UK. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's their fault. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been all right. I'm just staying at home, haven't washed my hair in five days, feeling fabulous. How about you, Brod? Yeah, it was kind of a forced five-day holiday in a way. And, like, mm-hmm. that's the that's the very privileged way of looking at it because, obviously, for a lot of people, five days stuck at home, um, not being able to leave more than five kilometres, only go out for essential things, and sort of returning to what was a six-month ordeal, basically, for Melburnians last year mm-hmm. uh, is not a good thing for most people. No. I've tried to make the most of it for my situation. I'm lucky enough to be in a situation where I was able to sort of just redo my schedule with patients and stuff like that and make that work. So trying to make the most of it basically. But it has mm-hmm. meant that we are recording online again. Normally we'd record in person, but because you live 10 kilometers away from me, how dare you? <laughs> we have to do this online. And that means that, unfortunately, I just want to put this out there, the, the sound quality might not be as good as it could be. It was noticeable, actually, on our last episode we did with Paul for It's a Sin as well. Damask's mm-hmm. best mic is here with me. And because she wasn't <laughs> here with me, she was using another mic. It was just an oversight on our part. And They're it's separated. not a terrible mic, but it's not uh, as well supported in terms of getting rid of other external sounds. So, you yes. might, if you hear any And every touch pieces, is magnified. So, I'm just like... I've got my arms up at the moment, just trying not yeah. to move. <laughs> so apologies for that. Hopefully it's a temporary thing and one of those things that won't follow when Damask goes to WA later in the year as well. But uh, in the meantime, we'll do our best to make the sound as good as we can. You been watching anything good in lockdown? Um, I started watching the American Are You The One, which is just oh. like MTV trash. So that's been really, really enjoyable. Um, Andrew and I are lucky enough to have more superstores, so we've been binging that mm-hmm. as well. Uh, yeah, we've been just watching a couple of things here and there. Nothing amazing, but like kind of perfect lockdown stuff to watch. Yeah, yeah. either really happy or like doesn't make you think. It's fabulous. We've been watching a lot of the Australian Open, which if you're a tennis fan, you'd know all about the Melbourne lockdown because they went mm-hmm. from having crowds to not having crowds all of a sudden. <laughs> um, you know, the tennis, which has been interesting. Uh, Ash Barty just went out. No one cares about this stuff. It's not a sports podcast. Let's get instead to our spoiler-free review of the Australian series Bump Season 1. Let me clue you in. 
Season in Review. Bump is an original Australian web television drama series centred around Ollie, an ambitious and high-achieving Sydney high schooler whose life suddenly changes when she has a surprise baby. The show premiered on Stan on January 1st, 2021 and stars Nathalie Morris, Carlos Santos Jr., Angus Sampson, Ricardo Schweihing Vasquez and Claudia Carvin, who also co-created the series with Kelsey Munro. Bump Season 1 consists of 10 episodes, each coming in at around 29 minutes. It took us approximately 4 hours and 55 minutes to watch. On January 11th, just 10 days after premiering, Stan announced it had renewed Bump for a second season. So, Damask... Before we get to our spoiler-free review of Bump, did you have an unexpected baby as a teenager? Um, not that I know of, but it could have been that unexpected that it just kind of passed <laughs> me by. Um, no, I personally haven't. I did know a girl in high school that did, um, which was interesting, but no, oh, right. no personal connection to this story. How about you, Brod? Not that I can remember. Bendigo, where we both went to high school, was notorious for teenage pregnancies, but I'm not sure about surprise babies. I don't know if I ever knew anyone who had a kid while they were at high school either, but I'm sure it was happening around me because apparently that's what the stats say. Uh, more serious question, though. What's your relationship with like Australian TV, Australian dramas, Australian comedies, that, that sort of stuff? Well, as you know, Broad, I grew up um, in Australia, so I have watched Australian television. Really? <laughs> I have. I have. Um, I think we grew up at a time when particularly kids TV was mm. making a lot and I think actually making a lot of good D- TV shows. Um, I think one in particular I recently revisited being like, this is going to be a goof and so dumb was Spellbinder, oh, which yeah. is legitimately like a fucking good show. Like that's a good fantasy show. And I like, no wonder I loved it as a kid. It was amazing. Um, I don't know. I love like things like Full Frontal and shit like that growing up. So sketch um, comedy. Yeah, sketch comedy was like big when we were younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as I've gotten older and had access to more things and we don't just have the, the four or five channels that we did growing up, I've been watching less and less of Australian television, I think. When I started moving away, it was like packed to the rafters kind of days of like yeah. the same kind of white suburban family having very suburban issues. Um, just everyone was straight. Uh, and it just kind of I felt less of a connection or interest in those stories when I was being exposed to far more interesting things outside my own personal worldview. Sure. Mm. Um, similar, very, very invested or had a lot of uh, interest in Australian like kids programming when I was little, play school and all that sort of stuff. There were lots of good kids shows, um, animated shows, Round the Twist, that sort of stuff. Still mm. really, really good. Um, then as I get older, I suppose you start watching things like Home and Away and stuff like that. So, yes, mm. had sort of a vague interest or connection with Home and Away and Neighbours and those sorts of things. Kath and Kim remains like the standout um, comedy series, I think, that I still return to almost yearly now, I think. I probably watched the first three seasons of I that show I was so still. confused. I thought you said Captain Kim, and I was like, no, what's this Kath show you talk Kath and Kim. Yes, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> Kath and Kim is a staple. Um, what is it? All Aussie Adventures is another one that I All loved in high school. yeah, Russell Coit. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. There, there's some good comedy stuff out there. In terms of what you're talking about, like there was this 
I think what happened, so there's, there's there was always Australian drama, particularly procedural mm. drama stuff there was a lot of. There was Blue Healers and Water Rats mm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that was relatively big locally. Um, then you had your underbellies and they started trying to get more gritty That's and right. like yeah. cinematic. And that was like a shift that Channel 9 took. And then at the same time, and I'm I'm not an expert when it comes to Australian television, but from my perception, what happened was Australian television became very reality TV focused. So mm-hmm. Big Brother and Australian Idol and all these sorts of things, Biggest Loser and all that sort of stuff really took over. Um, the Block and House Rules and those sorts of things, uh, MasterChef, they're all the biggest shows that happen mm. in Australia now. Married at First Sight is getting its upteenth season for some fucking reason. (laughs) This is the stuff that people seem to really, really gravitate towards now, at least Mm -hmm. on um, commercial TV. Things like ABC and SBS still produce TV shows. We've reviewed Please Like Me in the past. And Mm -hmm. occasionally you might get a Picnic at Hanging Rock or something like that. Um, But they are the exceptions to the rules, I feel like. The Mm. narrative TV that we, the scripted TV we still get seems to be exactly what you were talking about. That very family, white, straight focused television that is sort of like meant to be like, four quadrants covering this is a family show you sit down for dinner on a Sunday with your parents and it's on in the Mm. background maybe or your whatever it might be and that seems Mm. to be the focus nowadays so there hasn't been a lot that I've come back to in Australian TV recently we've had more and more access to international stuff from the US and the UK in particular and it's never been easier with everything releasing at the same time Mm. so I have really drifted away from Australian television which is a big reason I wanted to review Bump and try and get back into looking at Australian stuff so with that in mind, Damask, could you please give us your spoiler-free review of Bump Season 1? Yes. <laughs> You're yeah. hesitant. Yeah, I am hesitant because, like, you know, we've just spoken about Australian television and I think so much of the problem, like when you talk about the mass of reality TV and then also the the fictional like narrative stuff that we get is kind of covering all the widest demographics that like, I don't know, a rich white uh, producer in TV can think of. Middle, they could middle poss- class. Yeah, middle, absolutely. So that clearly is a money thing. It's like reality TV is fucking cheap to make. And if you mm-hmm. are going to spend money on a scripted show, let's make it accessible to absolutely everyone. And so therefore it's kind of for no one. Um, yep. So I you know, when a new show comes out, I do want it to be good. So <laughs> in light of that, here's my review. Um, so I just finished it this morning. I was w- watching it with my girlfriend, Angela. And after discussing this show with her, we came to the consensus that you either needed to be a teenager or a parent to enjoy this show, which is a large number of people. And I think it's a recipe for success, perhaps, in terms of reaching a lot of people. It's just that I don't fit into either of those categories. So I I really tried, but ultimately ended up kind of hating this show. Whoa. <laughs> I really didn't want this to be the case. So I think watching, you know, a pretty wealthy, you know, in terms of how things are going at the moment, a wealthy white feminist storm in and out of rooms to lecture people about their choices and who also this character has little to no capacity to feel empathy for anyone else's plight except her own, unless, of course, those plights are theoretical causes that she can spout off about that make her feel morally righteous. Like that just after a while it was so grating and I was like, "Uh, no, thank you. And I'm certainly not interested in watching that for 10 episodes. 
I will commend the actress, though. I think Natalie Morris is very, very talented and absolutely put her all into the role. She was great. I just did not like the character. But I need to... No, Brodge can't interrupt me up. I need to acknowledge that I probably would have liked and related to this character as a teen, though. I remember being that far up my own ass. And it's, I don't think it's an inaccurate depiction of a teen at all. It is, however, for me, as a woman in her 30s without children, joyless and insufferable to watch. You can interrupt me now if you'd like. Uh, I was going to just make a slight, I have slight disagreement, not necessarily about the actress's ability. I think mm. she is very, very, very talented. That's yes. uh, Nathalie Morris. I don't think she's a convincing 16-year-old, though. I didn't no, I thought really... she was 18 until like the end and I was like, oh, she's I thought 16. she was 25. Like oh, really? I've like I did not mm. get a sense of her actually being 16, which is not like it's a unique problem for yeah. shows that are set in high school, obviously. Mm. It's not fair to just say this is the only show that's getting that wrong. But when it's so centered on that, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you're you feel like you're 25 and maybe that says something about the maturity of 25 year olds now uh as people who have just entered their 30s and have not long been in that sort of age group ourselves Mm. um but i wasn't convinced that she was 16 there was only really a couple of characters that did convince me that they were 16 in this show but i'll talk about that Mm. later is that in terms of um not her look it's the performance it's like the maturity of the performance yeah is it defies the age of the character because the performance is good. It's just Mm. not one of a 16 year old, if that makes sense. Yeah. Now, do you think that's that's in the writing in terms of like the way the character is, isn't that that of a 16 year old? And the direction, I think. I think it's the writing and the direction. Yeah. I think it's mostly that. Again, I don't think it's, I don't think it's from lack of, or it Mm. could be, it could be a casting thing because they may have just, she may just be too old to really be convincing in that role. Again, this is a very personal criticism. Mm. Um, but again, I don't think it's in the talent because she's obviously very good at what she does. She sells the moments that need to be sold for the most part, but the writing is not helping. Go on. Okay. Interesting. I think because the character is meant to be, you know, kind of aiming for ducks and obviously well-read about certain things, I could I could see that person at school. Like, it's not entirely unfamiliar to me. Um, and also I think I so rarely see younger actors in Australian shows. I was like, sh- sure, that's that's a teenager to me. Why not? Um, we're, o- we're off course already. How do you compare <laughs> her performance, though, to the performance of Santi um, uh, by Carlos Sanson Jr., who to me was convincingly 16? Like, mm. read more like someone who actually is barely, is still a child. To, to some degree, who not necessarily, yeah, I, I don't know how old they are, what their age difference is in reality, but to mm. me, it was like watching a 25-year-old talk to a 16-year-old half the time. And again, um, you're right, yeah. maturity-wise, the character is further along, yeah. but I- I think it is really hard mm. because if you get an older actor to play a teenager- who thinks they're really mature and therefore acts accordingly in the way that they think yeah. an adult would act, that's really hard to play. True, um, but yeah. that's the subtlety of what the the role requires, I think, right? And again, where I'm not sure where it's let down the writing, the direction, or maybe just the actress is too old to convincingly do that 
Mm. I don't know. Yeah. But I just, as much, I do agree her she's a great performer. And this is really all the, all the point I was trying to make. I wasn't always convinced that she was 16. I found that yeah. hard a lot of the time. I, yeah. I Certainly not the age of 16, but I think I believed that she was 18. a young mother. I just fucking hated the character. Young mother? Sure. Any, anyway, moving on. Uh, as for the other characters, I didn't find anyone remotely interesting. Um, and now you don't have to be likable, but I do at least have to be interested in your story. And for 99% of these characters, I just wasn't. There was one, however, that piqued my interest towards the end of the show, but she was relegated to the sidelines. It was the character of Santi's stepmom. Now, I think, like, in the little tidbits we get, I'm like, wow, this woman has a story to tell. Yeah, um, gave us some moments. Yeah, and there's plenty to mine there. Unfortunately, this show focuses on the least interesting people in this social circle, and we have to sit there and watch it. I will also say the show suffers because there simply, I don't think, isn't enough content to sustain 10 episodes. I think give it five, cut out the superfluous threads, make it tight and right. If you want to make a show about this modern girl navigating her values with the expectations of her society, then perhaps we don't need a whole lot of other stuff that is going on here. And I I don't have much more to say about this show. Um, I... I'm predicting perhaps I'm wrong that this is going to be a short episode of hunting seasons. I just, I don't think it was for me. I don't also don't think the show was meant for me. Yeah. I, I didn't like it. There's, there's my review. Okay. I'm going to go a step further here. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Is this an indictment of the whole industry? I can't wait. All no, right. I'm no, sitting no, back. No, Let me get no. my drink. Though that did come up a couple of times. I was like, does just Australia have a pro- I don't know. There's a problem with, with its tone or its style. Anyway, I, I want to start, though. I want to agree I with you. I think the answer to that this. question is most of the time, yes. Yes. The, I do agree with you, though, that this show is probably not for us. Um, mm. I head into Bump really hoping to find a show, particularly an Australian show, I could rave about. And mm. while critics and the general public have largely praised the show, that sadly wasn't the case for me. I take no pleasure in saying that I had a really, really hard time with the majority of Bump. And I do think what you're saying is true. Whether we are just too far removed from that age group and neither of us are parents, neither mm. of us have been in long-term marriages. Uh, or short-term. Maybe we just Haven't have- been married yet. Just wanted to clarify. Thank you. Good point. Good point. <laughs> um, five years is... I'm going to say five years is relatively... It's middle term at least. But the... I... Wait, who's been uh, married maybe, for five years? Not married. I've been in a relationship for five well, okay. years. Okay, well, I, that's what I was saying. I haven't been married. Brad. I put a well. I put an engagement ring on you it. Have so, you have know, put an start. engagement ring on it. Uh, but the point being that maybe we aren't the people for this show. We aren't the audience. And that being the case, I don't want to delegitimize de- de- anybody's experience. In fact, we're going to get to a listener email, which is very contrary to what we feel felt. Oh, I can't wait. About the show I can't wait. Uh, Before I start on the bulk of my review, I just want to acknowledge some potential biases that may have affected how I view Bump as well. We don't review a lot of Australian television, partly because there isn't a huge amount of scripted Aussie TV to review, and also because, honestly, of what there is out there, there isn't a lot that has excited us recently. We don't have a huge industry, and so it's hard for Aussie shows to compete with the big boys out of the US and the UK. We also just came off watching and reviewing two of the best shows we've ever covered for the podcast, so maybe my scale is a bit off balance at the moment. But whatever the cause, I found myself frequently muttering, sometimes yelling at the screen with frustration. 
Me too. I, I sent you a message. Yeah, yeah, I sent you a message earlier in the week. I'm like, this show is making me so grumpy. And you're like, thank God, me too. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I was the contrarian. I got that from you. I was like, hey, this makes me feel better. Because, okay, and also, off, we're doing a very loosey-goosey review today. Steph, my partner, had been watching it and was like four episodes ahead of me. And she was having a good time. Mm. And then I come strolling in, <laughs> broad with all his opinions. I'm four episodes in going, I don't fucking get it. And and I may yeah, it's it wasn't a great place to be. My problems start with the general energy and tone of the show. After three episodes, I was perplexed by the slow, clunky pace of each episode. <laughs> yes, this is a story of big emotions, and you want to focus on what and how these characters are feeling. But when every scene is a monotonous conversation with long pauses, close-ups, and red eyes, underscored by a trop-first-worthy soundtrack, it stops being impactful. <laughs> And starts to just wait, wash over me. These total issues are only amplified, amplified by some atrocious and frankly embarrassing writing. Bump is constantly wrestling with its own identity as either a raw and real drama or some kind of quirky co- comedy. In reality, yes. it lands Agreed. closer to a home and, away, home and away type soap. And it does none of it well, relying on characters swearing awkwardly and unnaturally to be adult or perhaps generate shock humor, I don't know, and resorting to gags like kindergarten cop quotes with forced Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation to generate a laugh or feel-good moment. Yeah, which made me think that the actress hadn't seen the film. Which so at least, not- well, okay, how old is that movie? Yeah, exactly. Would why is that kids- teenager watching Kindergarten N- Cop? Why is, that, why is that a quote that is relative for that age group? Mm-hmm. It's really not. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, anyway, yeah. Worse like that's still- a quote that my mum says whenever she's either going to buy or eat tuna. Like that's her funny it's joke. It's not that she a makes. tuna. Yeah. Wow. At least that's a pun. Um, <laughs> and she's like a woman on the cusp of sixty. You know, like the, the dem- exactly. demographic is very different. Yeah. On more than one occasion, I was literally shouting at the screen, asking the show to figure itself out, or wondering why virtually every character in this show is a massive asshole. Seriously, <laughs> everyone in this show is the worst. And before you start, yes, I, I know there are. There are lots of good shows about bad people, but those shows work because their situation is interesting enough and or personality is entertaining enough to endure the fact they are bad, unappealing people. Put it down to bad writing, direction, performance, a mix of it all, but it was physically painful to spend time watching these people the show wanted me to give a shit about. There was one character I could tolerate, however, in Santiago. But na- by nature of the natural charm of Carlos Sanos- Sanson sorry, Jr., or just not writing him as a complete dickhead, I at least didn't hate him. He mm. barely had a personality at times, but at least <laughs> he didn't make me want to throw a brick through my OLED. And to be fair, <laughs> as the season wore on and Ollie and Santi were given room in the story to have their characters connect, the show improved a heck of a lot. I became invested in the relationship, which meant I was able to be invested in the drama surrounding these two characters and, oh... Oh, no, I figured out what the problem is. Bump should never have been a TV show. It has a strong pilot and concept right with dramatic potential, but that it fumbles its way through an overdrawn first and second act to finally get to something worth watching in the final two episodes. Once there, it got comfortable, finally taking on the form it should have been all along and the writing performances naturally improved. In other words, this should have been a movie. A tight one and a half to two hour coming of age family drama that would have undoubtedly got buried in boutique cinemas and overstuffed streaming catalogs and forgotten about within a week of release, but would have been appropriate for the amount of story and talent they actually had. 
This is obviously a sad conclusion to reach, and I can't begrudge the creators for taking the op- option they have in terms of going becoming a TV show. It evidently worked um, based on reactions and its renewal. But I'm not here to review the marketing decisions behind the scenes. I'm here to review what made to screen. And while I came about around a bit over the last couple of episodes, the majority of this season left me wishing Ollie and Santi had just kept it in their pants. <laughs> However, we are not the majority on this. The our review no. is not that does not represent the majority. And so I do want to read from a wonderful email we got from listener Dane. Uh, and Dane writes with the subject heading. I just want to froth about bump for a bit. Hey guys, long time listener, first time writer in I was so excited when you announced you're reviewing bump because I absolutely froth this show and would hope you both do too. I'm currently partway through watching it for my second time. I loved, but not always liked the character of Ollie. The way she was crafted as an abrasive, bullish, often unlikable, but ultimately sympathetic protagonist uh, felt very real to in a way that I feel an American show wouldn't be able or willing to pull off. Uh, feel free to interrupt if you have any thoughts on this, by the mm-hmm. way, Damask. With everyone I've spoken to about this show, Ollie reminded them of themselves or someone they knew as a teenager. So many of the things she does are exactly the same things that I would have done in her situation as a teenager, even though they make me cringe watching her. Okay, so let's stop there for a second. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very valid point. Uh, it's one mm-hmm. you made in your review. Like, as unlikable yeah. as Ollie is, it is probably true to a teenager of that age. To a teenager, yeah. Pretty accurate. So why why do you think that's working for Dana, not working for us? Do you think it's simply just where we sit in our personal lives currently that we can't tolerate insufferable teenagers? Uh, I mean, I think I get the surface of that is a teenager. I think perhaps I just wanted a bit more insight and considering how much time we get with her and the mm. things happening in her life, I, I don't know. I, I think I was really missing that personal connection. I could recognize that she was a teenager and acting in a teenage way, but beyond just being a bullish teenager, I don't know. I, I didn't connect with her. I, I found it hard, even though I could understand her situation was really fraught and terrible. I didn't really empathize with her all of mm. all that much. Um, yeah, I, I, really didn't get to know her and get why she had this amazing community around her or understand her dynamics beyond being bullish and lacking in empathy herself. I think what was missing were shades, right? I think she was painted with one particular brush, which was Mm. the irritating, bullish, hyper-feminist, I don't know what you want to call it, teenager, right? Like they Mm. were going for the really woke Sydney cider, which, you know, is a part of a person's personality, but if you want me to care about her, I need to know what's going underneath it. Like, mm. if that's the part that we're ultimately, hopefully, going to see disgust and remedy, there's got to be something underneath buried that we want to get to. And I didn't feel the shades, didn't see... I think, kind of being honest, hopefully this is not a spoiler, I think part of the problem is uh, we never get a before scenario for mm-hmm. these people. We never get like an understanding of if this family unit ever really worked apart from some photos mm-hmm. uh, or even like the before relationship with Lockie or Santi or like it just there's something missing mm. that an opportunity missed somewhere in there to make me care more about it beyond the fact that she's just a teenager who had a baby, which yeah. on the surface seems like enough, but it's situation not, though, does not equal character. Exist. 
Like, yeah. that, that's not enough. And there were instances in the first episode I'm not going to mention, but a hint of more going on inside her that perhaps she wasn't expressing or certainly didn't have a handle on herself, um, which was never yeah, raised actually. again. Which was That's bizarre to me because I thought we were going to have perhaps a deeper dive into that and then what does that mean when your life is interrupted in such a huge way? Yeah, it just seems like things were happening, but it was, yeah, like you were saying, lacking those layers, that insight, all that stuff, yeah. Situation and emotion, but not necessarily character. And, like, mm. you you can't exist off concept alone, or mm-hmm. the outline of character alone. Anyway, I continue with Dane's review. I also love seeing the contrast between the two families used to highlight the differences in the role of family between Hispanic cultures and Anglo-Saxon Australian cultures. In Santiago's home, it is rare to have to see anyone as seen by themselves, but in Ollie's, the scenes where, ev- uh, where everyone is together are the most tense. And we only ever see her brother through a screen. Uh, I'm from an Anglo-Saxon Australian background myself, but I'm studying Spanish. I've had the chance to meet a lot of people from Latin America and hear about how family has such a different role. uh, And it was just really cool to see that illustrated on the screen. Do you have any thoughts on that as well, Damask? Yeah, I think towards the latter half, certainly towards the real tail end of the show, um, they start playing with that, that kind of juxtaposition a little bit more. Um, I don't disagree with that. I think, yeah, I don't know. Like I, beyond a bunch of like fucking people who you shouldn't be fucking or whatever, like, you know, sexual romantic shit going on, the actual interpersonal dynamics of each relationship weren't explored, which Mm -hmm. is what makes a family interesting to me. But yeah. Um, but on that point, I do think it is something that is worth admiring about the show is that I don't know of a lot of Australian television shows that would have significant non-English speaking characters or characters Agreed. that often will speak, you know, a different language than English, mm-hmm. um, which was cool to see. It was, yeah. I like that. I I, I don't, haven't personally in Australia been a lot around a lot of um, Latina or Spanish-speaking families. Mm. I don't want to get those ref- those cues wrong there, but like that is not something you see a lot on Australian television in particular. Latinx, Latinx thank you. Um, so, like, I admire that. I think mm. there is, yeah, thematically they do explore those differences between that version of traditional family yeah. versus what's happening in Ollie's family, definitely. And it's, yeah, there about is- time, because, like, you know, so often while I see in suburbia or certainly, like, inner-city families who are all white, like in the inner mm-hmm. city of like Melbourne and Sydney, which just mm-hmm. has never made sense. So, yes, it is refreshing and about fucking time to, yeah, include And that. then that generally throughout the cast, there was a lot of diversity in, uh, in the casting. Um, there is like, you know, gay and non-binary characters in the show and stuff like that, which is good. And there's also a certain rawness that I do like that I think is admirable with like, I don't think I've ever seen a moon cup on screen for instance, you know, things like that. Like Mm -hmm. it is pushing the envelope in terms of like realness and some, to some degree there, Mm -hmm. but all those things only work or mean anything to me if the character work is work is happening as well. And so I agree with you, Dane, on a lot of what you're saying in terms of the things that have appealed to you about the show. Mm. 
the accuracy of certain scenarios or some of the thematic stuff that's going on there. I guess what didn't work for me is the writing didn't hold it all together to make that work beyond the broad strokes and general concept. I don't know if you agree with that or not. No, I certainly don't. Yeah, like I said, all the pieces are there. It's how you thread it together. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, matter. I could prattle on like this for days, but I won't, says Dane. Cheers, guys. Uh, thank you, Dane. Really appreciate sorry, you Dane. sending in your email. <laughs> so and apologies. I, I had a back and forth with Dane briefly about can we talk about this on the show? And he's like, sure, unless you're going to rag on the show. So, uh, sorry. Uh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> So he said, sure, unless you rag on the show I, and then you're doing I, it anyway. I, I believe I believe that was joking because <laughs> I told him I wouldn't. So Dane, you better if that's hope wrong, that's true. I otherwise, you just lost a listener. Fucking hell. <laughs> no, I really do appreciate it, Dane. And we always love hearing from listeners. So if you ever have, you want to chime in on the show that we're about to review or a show we have reviewed, Dane, if you'd like to have a follow-up at all on what we wrote, we're actually doing an off-topic hot topic pretty soon. I'd be happy to read your rebuttal to our reviews on air. That'd be great. So please send them to contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or follow the form on our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. I believe that's how Dane got in contact, contact with us. Final score, Damask, what are you giving this show out of five stars? Um, I'm I'm giving it, I think, a pretty generous two. Generous yeah. two. And I think that's because of like, I think 90% of the performances were really good. And I think it's a generally a pretty talented cast. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that, you know, Stan is making some Australian content. I appreciate that. Um, so you're giving it the... Uh- <laughs> The extra star for being Australian, which is a bit of a meme that that happens, right? Everything is like three stars. Every Australian film is two and a half to three stars because Australians don't want to review anything under that. You know, everything just gets a little bit of a bump in the rating just because of where it comes from. Is that what's happening? That's exactly what's happening, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that's what happens, is what happened. Um, yeah, I like Claudia Carvin. I like that she's, you know... <laughs> Putting stuff together. Um, I liked all the Secret Life of Us. That was a great show. That was an amazing show. Um, yeah, two stars. Was it, did she produce like Love My Way as well? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, that was a really good show. Um, yeah, I like that she's producing stuff with like diverse casts, like intergenerational casts. Like mm-hmm. I'm down for that. Um, but beyond that, I can't give it anything more. And I think I'm being really generous. So no more questions. Thank you very much. Over to you, Brun. I'm actually giving it two and a half stars. Oh, he loves our- it. You hear that, people? He fucking loves it. Which on our rating system sits somewhere between inferior and decent. Um, <laughs> so it means nothing. Okay. So, <laughs> so I I went looking through, again, I always try and like go through our mm. previous reviews, and it's not quite as up to date as I'd like it to be, but looking at the shows that we'd had at two stars, mm. there was some real, real rubbish on there. And I know I ended like up me. going a little bit harder on the show. I can't remember where that went. Mm. Uh, I know we ended up going a little bit I went going a little bit harder on the show in my review than you did, but I I did come around to the show by the end. It was that frustration level that gets me like the the last couple of episodes I really didn't mind. That is just shocking like, to me because, like, once I've been hurt, that's it. And I was so hurt at that stage. I'm like, I can't forgive I, you. I did have the privilege of reading Dane's review about halfway through watching the show. Maybe it softened me up to it a little bit. I'm not sure. Yeah. But whatever reason, 
I can't give... I'm not going to give it a two. It's not as bad as some of the shows we gave it two stars to. I'm talking like Defenders and stuff like that. The, the, the Defenders was <laughs> truly atrociously terrible. Um, but this show frustrated me. I forgot about <laughs> no the Defenders. That, fuck, that's funny. Yeah, mm. That's a good move for your, on your part. <laughs> yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to ask everyone who enjoys the podcast to please review us on Apple Podcasts. Nothing helps the show to grow more than by throwing five stars and maybe a couple of nice words away. That was a choice. And to sweeten the deal, if we reach 25 written reviews on Apple Podcasts, we will finally review Charisma Carpenters and nobody else's Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1. We would also love you to share hunting season with friends, family, anyone else who you think might also enjoy listening. It's even more of a choice when you commit to like you do it again. <laughs> Next week, we'll be back, hopefully not with whatever that was, and our first <laughs> off-topic hot topic for the year, followed a week later by a review of The Sopranos Season 4. If you'd like to contribute to our discussion of The Sopranos, if you have any thoughts on Bump, just like Dane did, you can write to us or send us an audio recording that we may include on a future episode to contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or find us on Twitter at huntingscast. But right now, let's talk spoilers for Bump Season 1. <laughs> You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. 
Spoiler warning. From here on, we'll be discussing everything that happens in season one of Bump. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Bump up to this point, sort of. If you've not done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You You have have been been warned. That's disappointing. Kids, I'm going to tell you an incredible story. Story time with Damask. Ollie has sex with a cute guy at a party. She doesn't realise she's pregnant, though, until it's too late and the baby is waving hello from her vulva. She pretends it's her boyfriend's, but they both know the truth since they've never had sex. Ollie says she's going to give it up for adoption, but then she doesn't, so she has to admit that the baby belongs to a student called Santi. Santi steps up to the plate and wants to help out. Santi's dad and Ollie's mum are super flirty. They are married, but flirting never hurt anyone. Except Ollie's mum catches feelings and tells her husband that their marriage is pretty much kaput. Then Santi's dad and Ollie's mum fuck. Ollie's dad has a couple of tantrums. Santi's dad runs around lecturing people about loyalty and family while concealing the fact that he's cheated on his wife. Stuff happens. Uh, Ollie and Santi fall in love. Ollie learns that she can hold on to her feminist ideals as well as embrace the complexities of her new family dynamic, the end. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. Something to start with, just because mm. you brought up in your story time there, the, the backstory of what happened sort of with Santi and Ollie and mm. that she left uh, Lockie's place having had a very unromantic attempt at having sex and then she goes to this party and has sex with Santi. Did you... I, I don't necessarily begrudge the show for making the choice to not show us that, but I feel like I would have learned a lot if I had any idea what their relationship was like before that party. Like, just knowing, did Santi invite mm. Ollie to the party? Was there... what was, Did they have a flirty chemistry before Well, it was this? incredibly confusing because... It's like she rocks up and he comes out as though he has personally invited her and they have Correct. pre-planned to have sex. Correct. Which means they would have had some kind of friendship before, yep. known that they liked each other, had sex, and then had some kind of miscommunication that ended up in like hurt feelings, which is a complicated dynamic to then have a baby together. The thing it raised more questions than it answered. and Well, it I- kind of felt like it left the drama on the table was the problem. Yeah. Like, um, if you choose to show the fla- flashback of what happened with Ollie and Lockie, which, mm. if you ask me, was a blip in terms of actual dramatic and narrative involvement in the show. Like, mm-hmm. the Lockie situation lasts three episodes and I mm. don't think we needed it. It no. just didn't add anything to the show. I well, I thought think. the episode that starts with the flashback, it was going to be the flashback episode, which then, like, sets us up for the ending and adds weight to whatever resolutions we get to. But that's not mm. what happened at all. I really am left confused as to why it was included, if it is seemingly irrelevant. Well, we then just have conversations with Lockie talking about what their relationship was like beforehand or Santi talking about like, well, then you just, you know, didn't say hello to me ever again. I thought we were going to be, a, you know, hook up again afterwards or whatever it was. Mm. It was a lot of saying, telling, not showing. And I'm like, I understand that starting with the baby arriving dramatically is very interesting. But mm. when everything is everything that makes the show worthwhile i thought from a so so maybe the better way of putting this is once ollie and santi were together 
I really I started to care about the drama that surrounded them a lot more because I cared mm-hmm. about their relationship a little bit. Mm-hmm. So when the show spends seven episodes getting to the point where they're together, it's like, would this have not been better if these were two, you know, people who just happen to have a natural chemistry, who come from different sides of the tracks, who get together one night, happen to have a fucking baby nine months later, and then are like, shit, what are we going to do about that? Mm. <laughs> and not have the, the locky of it all, not have the like... And, like, Santi starts to be a pretty half-decent guy about it straight away. Yeah, me. And then only in the last episode is sort of becoming a shit dad. Like, he's starting to neglect his responsibilities. It's like, dramatically, it just seemed to be really all over the place and didn't know where, it, what story it wanted to be telling or when or why. Well, yeah, we have the interesting shifts, I think, with Santi in particular because he isn't an interesting character and they haven't done anything to make him interesting. So we have the thing where he proposes to Ollie and then is a shithead for that episode. And then, yeah, at the end we realise that he's actually not really coming through in the way that he should. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have that those moments, I guess, of increased tension in terms of how their relationship is going to work out or where it might be going at all. But beyond that, I mean, Santi is a nice guy, but... There's nothing there. Like, there really is nothing there to, like, dive into at all. They haven't given him anything. So, the thing I liked about the, like, engagement part where he asked Ollie mm. to marry him was that felt like a naive 16-year-old thing to yes. do. That's a guy who doesn't know. He watched his parents and where they're at. Here's that story about how mm. they got engaged, you know, within a day of meeting each other or whatever it was and lived happily ever after. He obviously is really romanticizes or, you know, holds his mother to high regard as well because she mm. died, you know, at a relatively young age and all that sort of stuff. And so that made sense to me for him to do something silly like that. And even his dumb reaction at the end of it where mm. Ollie, understandably, is not interested in getting married at 16 years old, um, still felt genuine to a teenager, which is the part I didn't feel with Ollie. This is where I felt like Ollie wasn't always, while she was irritating like a 16-year-old, mm. she wasn't always making 16-year-old mistakes or didn't convince me that she was naive in that regard. I don't know if you agree with that. I think, like, in terms of that Santi thing, I really did enjoy the conversation he had with his seemingly only friend um, when they were sitting on the couch and talking about – I thought it was very cute. He was talking about marriage. He wouldn't do it unless it was important to his partner and, like, you know, you should find out if she's in love with you before you did that. Whoops, you've already done it. And then they have a nice little hug. I thought that was all very cute. In terms of Ollie not making adult – well, she's seemingly far more adult than she is. I was – yeah, I think on the same headspace as you, particularly because when we started the show, like having a baby – was it was made made things really difficult for her, like being at school and being shit on and all that stuff. And then we get past maybe those first few episodes and having a baby and going to school and stuff didn't seem that hard. Like she didn't seem that frazzled by having a baby. The relationship stuff was hard. Her family dynamics were changing and that was hard. Having a baby as a 16-year-old and, like, wanting to get high marks and stuff didn't seem like that big of a deal. As a 16-year-old, your emotional capacity to handle that isn't there. Um, And I feel like we floated through that in the middle section 
of it the came show. back to it pretty importantly in the last couple of episodes though because yes. that's where she we had that scene where she's sitting down for an exam she's just like this is gobbledygook to me i'm obviously not prepared for this she yes. gets a shit mark or whatever yeah um, we get there at the end once again um and but, it informs yeah. some of her decisions that's where she starts talking about like running away mm-hmm. overseas with santi and stuff like that like she's sort of spiraling into a little bit in terms of what her the rest of her life looks like. Mm. Um, and the end of the season is kind of leaves an interesting note of like, we'll just see what happens next sort of thing. Let's just try and make the most of it. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, con- it's confused along the way as to what it's... That's one of the questions I had is like, what was the real take or the perspective of this show? Because sometimes it seemed just lampoon everything, not particularly effectively, but everyone is just mm. shit, whether you're racist or woke or anything in between. Everybody's kind of awful. Everybody mm-hmm. seemingly on a dime can just become a fucking monster um, or go the opposite way. You can tell somebody you hate everything about them and then two episodes later, your best mates again. Or you can have someone like Vince, who I enjoy as a character, Santi's best friend, mm. who all of a sudden is the most chill guy here and then... In one scene, it's not huge, but he gets actually gets physical with Santi and grabs him and turns him around and tells him to get a hold of himself and make mm. tells him to gets angry with him because it's starting to affect Vince in a selfish way. And I was like, that's inconsistent with the character. I yeah, I, I, it just frustrated me all the time. Yeah, I think at the end of it, I remember talking to Angelo about it. I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what this show is doing. Um. And she's like, well, obviously, you know, there's a lot going on, but she made the point of kind of how I summed it up in my review is, you know, Ollie learns that she can hold on to who she is slash her feminist ideals as well as embrace the complexities of the people around her and her changing life. But there's so much shit mixed in with that that it just mm. it gets so confused. That's why I said, like, should have been five episodes, which actually we're talking time is exactly what you said. It's the time of a movie. Yeah. To tell that story, like all the extra shit just weighs this show down so much that, yeah, you spend half the time in many scenes being like, I want to get out of this room. <laughs> like, I don't want to <laughs> hear these people have this conversation. A big big part of it is just all the adults in the show are extremely mm-hmm. childish in nature as well. Mm-hmm. Um in not fun or interesting ways. If anyone just acted like an adult for five seconds, we wouldn't have a show that involved any of the adults. And it's one it's one thing to watch someone like Ollie and go, oh, yeah, that's how a teenager would act. Mm. And they call out Angus Sampson's character, I think, um, in the last episode, him being a big child or whatever. But they're, all of them are like that. Well, Matthias it's hard because and- the person, like, sitting there, like, looking down on him saying that about like family and growing up and stuff. It's like, fuck you. You cheated on your wife. Like you have no, like who are you to say that to him? Like I understand that Angus Sampson character doesn't know that and he is terrible, but if everyone's terrible, I don't root for anyone and I don't want to be around them. Well, everyone's terrible in the same way, just in different not to the same extreme. Like, why he represents the man-child, they're mm. all being children. Yes, Claudia Carvin's character is a huge child. Matthias yes. is a child. Rosa is mostly acting as childish as well. Everyone's just being a big baby all the time about mm-hmm. it. And that is not interesting. People, obviously, these characters need to have flaws, but they all mm-hmm. kind of fundamentally have the same flaw of just being selfish pieces of shit to mm-hmm. each other. Um, 
and yeah, that I is not like, fun to watch. Yeah, ha- like obviously the childish. You can have like an adult with the childish impulse, and you can have a char- like a character that you know leans into that. And obviously, the more perhaps controlled character who doesn't and feels like they're missing out in their life. Like we have Claudia Carvin, you know crying in a few scenes or whatever about like confused about what to do and stuff but ultimately she does what she wants to do because she's fucking horny and wants to fabulous <laughs> but like yeah there's no kind of counterpoint there's no argument of like as an adult the learn to sacrifice what does that actually mean what does that do to your personhood it's a way more interesting conversation than watching a bunch of adults yeah run around like teenagers and fuck each other yeah is there anything that did or any storyline or part of the story that did particularly work for you that we could have, you sort of seem to think that you just need to cut out the rubbish with the adults and that would have helped just to keep it on. You can have Santi aspects and- of that, but oh, like yeah. so much time spent on that. Um, yeah, I think having, and Angela also brought this up as well. We should have had her on the show really, but um, mm-hmm. she brought up that, so often in TV shows, I guess just kind of like minimize cast and the amount of people you have to remember is you so often have like the kids hooking up and then the parents are hooking up. We don't mm-hmm. need that. We could have certainly, you know, Claudia Carvin or Angus Sampson, either one yearning for something unknown perhaps to us, yearning for like that yearning. I can understand the want of freedom, which like then – parallels with the want of their child not you know wanting the life that she wants but now can't have it that type of thing that can work it's just the amount that's there I think doesn't um in terms of what worked for me can you go first I need to think about it I I think by the end of the show I think one of the things I would have done first is actually got Ollie and Santi together quicker Mm -hmm. and focused on that relationship in relation to them both being teenagers who have got very, very different places in life and then the effects of having a baby on that mm-hmm. is what I would have done. Because I think once I we got them together and stopped will they, won't they in it mm. um, and just let them have chemistry, then mm-hmm. I started to care about... Because then all of a sudden Ollie is spending time willingly with... Um, Santi's family and then she starts to see the good and the bad that's going on there and she starts to then reflect back on her own family and like dramatically things got far more interesting once because like how many episodes do Santi's family throw a party and then everyone just happens to attend to have awkward conversations and walk away like that just kept Mm. happening every episode there's another salsa dance or something going on that everyone's at and there has to be someone does something that's you know, awkward or weird or gets pissy at each other and storms mm. away or whatever it is. It just like we just kept not getting to where the actual story was, which is where I argue that the start of the story and the end of the story are right, cut out of the middle, mm-hmm. put together into a movie and you'd have something. It like yeah. it was holding back the dramatically interesting stuff until the last two episodes because it knew what it wanted to end on. It just didn't know what to do in the meantime. And it wasn't mm. good at doing like specific installment episode stuff because if you're doing tv it's not good to be a five-hour movie you got to make sure that your episodes feel like individual episodes mm-hmm. that actually have a point of existing so you do have things like uh ollie goes and hangs out with her friend rossa no uh her friend rima um yeah. and they go to that weird another weird party that happens to have some of santi's family in it that's awkward what is that party i didn't even understand what don't scene know. there was like no one I think it there. was a birthday 
I don't know. It was it was awkward. Um, there's another one of those, and then they spend time together because she hasn't been around her friend much. But I didn't feel like I came away really knowing what I was meant to learn about any characters in that scenario. I don't the understand same- that friendship at all. I've never given the opportunity to understand her best friend. Like the mm-hmm. one bit. I mean, this is like an early episode that made me go, "Fuck, I hate Ollie." It's like mm-hmm. you know she's talking about abortion rights. And then um, the woman who's fucking Santi like speaks up and is like, Angel, well, "Fuck off! You uh, don't actually, yeah, you don't actually know what you're talking about." And then Rima comes in, being like, "Well, no, she's like trying to understand, blah blah blah." Who that? And she then gets called a coconut, which is wildly mm-hmm. offensive. And then by the end of the episode, she has to apologize to Ollie, and Ollie in no way apologizes to her. I was like, if we're gonna like, you know, be a little critical of white feminism. What's actually happening in this episode? Like, I at that point, I just did not understand what we were doing. Yeah, if Ollie jumped on character. the because because Rima, I think it's her name, called her out for like being a shit best friend, and then mm. Ollie reflexively goes, "Well, I've had a lot going on because I'm a new mum." Not mm. untrue, not but you can still call out that you were a shit friend. Yes. Um. Yeah. And then you've got like a, an episode where Santi and Vince, I think is the character's name, go and like just have like a stoner day off. They wag school. Mm. And broad stroke, like uh, weed dealer, caricature mm. that Angus Samson character shows up to save them. That but felt doesn't like really TV change their... from a different era. Like yeah. shit like that that was put in it. I was like, why do we do this in a t- Australian TV show? It's like, we deserve so much better than this fucking bullshit. And like, that is ultimately what was frustrating me the most, was the yeah. writing was so t- two decades old. Like, yeah. subpar writing and dialogue. This shit with, like, doing the Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's not a tomb. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? In the last yeah. episode, even, Rima walks into the bathroom at the church to find out where Ollie is and is like, we really need to stop meeting like this. Because that's meant to be cute or funny. I'm like, blow my fucking brains out. You can't write a better line than that. Like, that is, that is frankly embarrassing yeah. that made was, it to, like, television. That ne- That is draft mm. one shit. I was thinking I, earlier, like, this is kind of what is possible in Australian TV and quite often Australian films as well, is that people think to make an audience laugh, you write, like, quirky characters who say or do quirky things um, or, like you said, you know, a line that may have worked 20 years ago. But for whatever reason, there seems to be a real lack of people who know how to write funny people, people who can say and do things in a funny way that aren't just like base instinct. Whoa, isn't this crazy? Like, yeah, it's really disappointing. Well, it just, it doesn't go far. It doesn't, you can't pick a lane. It's like, if yeah. you want to be that sort of comedy, go hard at that. Because mm-hmm. you these characters, you could take the piss out of and like go somewhere with that. But it doesn't want to do that because it wants to be a drama. But mm-hmm. it can't be too dramatic because then that's not going to be as palatable for an audience. So it has to throw in these terrible one-liners or like really basic, like what, there's a scene, there's a whole large long sequence where they're like getting into different groups at school to make these videos which I never understood what that was all about and mm. then it seemed like I don't know and then there's the bit with Lockie and his boyfriend 
Um, although they might be non-binary, so boyfriend might not be the right term there, but his partner, and mm. they're fighting because they have a misunderstanding about what the relationship is and this whole thing about souls and like, I mm. don't know, man. It was just like literally a decade or two late for that sort of rubbish. It mm. was very, very frustrating every time yeah, that I stuff think came like up. The humour in that scene obviously is these young people using newly learned terms um, to construct how they see relationships. And oftentimes, like, when you're young, they are with, like, broad strokes. But there needs to be a level of sincerity and, I think, succinctness to make that scene really work. But it's just not that. Like, it's on and on. Like, firstly, it goes on for way too long. Yes, Um, yes. And there's a little bit too much awareness of the people inside the scene of how wacky... And I think it's also in the performance as well how wacky that situation is that it just falls flat as the viewer. Then the adults are doing weird shit like this too. Mm-hmm. Like Claudia Carvin's character and uh, so uh, Angie, I think it is, and Matthias, um, mm-hmm. they have that staff meeting that's like about beige curtains in the library. Oh, my and, God. And I'm like, this is awful. This it's is not terrible. funny it or really cute or anything. Then later in that episode, when they're walking out after having sex in the uh, teacher's lounge, she's like, asks her if she came or whatever. And I was like, I don't understand what is happening here or how old these people are anymore. And then, like, in that episode we're talking about where they're talking about, like, uh, the, 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 they're doing the videos as groups and mm. that some of them are doing the zombie thing and they put the spaghetti on Mateus and then he starts chasing oh around Angie God. like a zombie. And it's meant to be, I don't know, I'm meant to feel like, oh, she really likes him because she's laughing at his rubbish. It's like, this is awful. I Mm. don't understand what this show is or how it gets to this stage. And this is where, like, it just feels like basic filler to fill in episodes before we can get to the actually interesting stuff, which is the end of the season. Sorry. I'm just just going through my... I've forgotten about some of this. I'm just going through my notes for that episode, which is episode eight, which we... The name Angel at the beginning of that episode is leaving the house and is with... Yes. I'm assuming a lesbian, but it might be non-binary. What's happening in that scene? And also, what's the joke? Yes. What's going on? Like, what is that scene? So, that's my... What is the joke? Because it's just another person. It's another person who's an asshole. But I don't know whether they're trying to comment on them being an asshole because it's got anything to do with their sexuality or how they present. I don't know if that's what they're doing. Also... Like, how crazy of her to drive off with a woman? Yeah, like, yeah. It's just bizarre. Like, I don't understand I'm, what was happening in that scene at all. I'm just also not sure what the point of the character of Angel was in general in the story, right? Okay. Like, she's there just to be fucking Santi so he can get in trouble later because he, I don't know, like, they, they were keeping it a secret and then he did it out in the open at the party that apparently people saw and he was also sort of doing it despite Ollie and then somehow that meant Angel had to leave. They didn't show us why. They just skipped to the part where she's leaving and Ollie is apologizing. I don't know. I don't don't know. know. I don't know why this is a part of the show. That's the problem. Why is this a part of the show? Yeah. And so when I say maybe I've got some recency bias on the shows I've been watching in Ted Lasso and It's a Sin, the thing is those shows don't waste moments. They don't Mm -hmm. waste characters. Everybody is in those shows is there for a reason. They have a purpose. Every scene, every 
Skerrick of dialogue, apart from being truly funny and truly dramatic and truly heartwarming and me caring about these characters, even the ones who can be assholes, they don't waste this stuff. Everything is there for a reason. And so much of this show could be stripped away and the mm-hmm. bo- it would not just be not missed, it would be better for it. Yes, I agree. Okay, 100%. I think that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. You're right. This is going to be a relatively short episode of the podcast. Do you have any side notes to mask? <sighs> um, <laughs> Size is it all. Well, my side note is in every episode, there's a lot of I fucking hate Ollie. She's just the least. Rel- <laughs> yeah, I'm just not into it. Anything, anything she's doing. At first, like, I was vibing her absurdity in maybe episode one and two. Like, we've got lines like, it's like the Handmaid's Tale around here. And then the nurse kind of calls out her bullshit. I was like, okay, this is like, give me more moments of that, of her being so extra about it and just being smacked down by reality. Like her actually going from theory to practice in terms of being an adult. When they get pulled over by the cops Mm. and she's like talking, talking to the cop and Ollie's like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. I was like, thank you. Oh, sorry. Santi says that to Ollie. I was like, thank you, Santi. That is exactly what this character needs more of, is someone to say, just shut the fuck up. Stop Mm -hmm. talking for a second. Yeah. 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 Honestly, I think we needed more of that, to be honest with you. Um, Like, Santi's changes really bothered me. I like them conceptually, but then you have, like, he proposes to her and then such a really seeming, like, seemingly sweet kid immediately turns around and says, you know, in terms of being asking Ollie to marry him, being like, "Oh, you expected it from such like some rich fuck or something?" Yeah, and I was it like, just they didn't what? lay enough track for he, that he reaction. Can, he can feel that way, but yeah. I really doubt that the character of Santi that you have introduced me to would react in that way. He might hold that inside himself and then do some kind of behavior to kind of make himself feel better. I highly doubt he would articulate himself in that way in that moment. It made didn't it also, make any fucking sense to me. It just portrays the conversation that we're having a scene earlier, which was presumably the same night, I think, where she mm. was talking legitimately about going overseas with him. Like they were talking about New yeah. York. She wasn't talking about one. She she knew what she wanted for herself, mm. but she wasn't talking. And she was talking about him being a street artist and all this sort of stuff. She wasn't talking about him being a rich lawyer or something like that. And so I can see him having an immature reaction to that moment. Mm. He is 16 after all, but that specific one didn't necessarily track. And they tried to put in that little bit about going to New York to try and mm. lay the track, but it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. And similarly, similarly, there were, when we get to the end with the, the whole Catholicism like baptism scene, of course it makes perfect sense that Ollie is going to be anti-Catholic institution, mm-hmm. right? Anti-baptism yeah. and stuff. But when Claudia Carvin's character says, oh, this betrays everything your daughter says, every time you and 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 she's talking to Dom at this point, mm. you and her have said these things about the church. I'm like, could you have shown us that in like episode one or two? Could they have had yeah. that conversation as, as a, a father-daughter rather than having to have the mother say that's what they say, that, that's what they think. Mm-hmm. It's like, just show it to me earlier in the season. Yeah. And that would have, have tracked connection. way yeah. better. Yeah, and that, that's, you know... Just just have that conversation because it, it 
it would suit the character, it would fit with everything we've got, and it would lay track for that moment at the end. And watching Ollie sort of give up her ideals the way that she does would mm. have meant more because we would relate back to that scene. It's like, yeah. but instead they just have Claudia Carvin say, but this is how she feels about these things. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I guess that tracks, but you didn't show it to me. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Ranting. Yeah, I think if like the show is about what you believe before you actually have to deal with those things in real life so you know you're backed up by your dad and you have these great kind of real lefty conversations about a wide array of things Mm -hmm. and then slowly as you are confronted with them that then causes that distance between you and your dad's you know perhaps the parent that you connect with most that's more interesting than you just hating him because you caught him fucking on a boat yep yeah. Or and just in general, like if there was a conversation about how they don't believe in traditional families or whatever, mm-hmm. um the fact that you know they aren't married, though uh though lots of obviously couples would expect them to be married at this stage and I then I didn't know for, they weren't married until the very end. Did I miss something? No, I didn't know that either. And it's like that's an interesting point that if mm-hmm. made a little bit clearer sooner would have added to this and then when Ollie's talking about how you've broken our family, it's like well, this is not talking about how that's a complex idea because, mm. like, non-traditional families aren't always like a, the traditional nuclear family. It's like yeah. those conversations could have been had and just weren't. There was mm-hmm. It was, again, the broad strokes told but not shown. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in terms of, like, if we're talking about the family stuff, I found it really disappointed the whole Santi and his dad thing. So every time we yeah. see Santi and his dad, his dad comes in, sa- sa- says that Santi has a problem and immediately starts lecturing him. Santi gets flustered and has to remove himself from the situation, which is not a healthy dynamic, nor do I think it's a great way to parent. And so then Santi has to decide since his mother passed away when he was quite young, what kind of parent does he want to be? And the conflict Mm -hmm. in seeing the faults of the way his dad has done it and how that would then affect their relationship. Like, like, why aren't these families actually connecting and reacting to each other and the, the fluidity in that huge amount of change that happens not only when you're a teenager but certainly when you become a parent yourself? Like, those dynamics just weren't there. It's just not there in the writing. I think they probably mm. were on the whiteboard, but they weren't in the actual yeah. scripts. Mm-hmm. They weren't in the story. Um, they allude to them or say them in the broadest possible ways, but they mm. don't really explore them in any sophisticated way, which is where I think the writing is ultimately the biggest letdown here mm. um, and just not knowing how to flesh that out. Uh, another side note is I, though it makes me very uncomfortable, I can barely look at the screen watching people who are meant to be 16, 17, fuck. I appreciate mm. that the sex showed a lot of uh, trying for female pleasure between the sure. two young people. I th- I thought that was kind of a good thing to be showing young people. It's not all about getting your dick in, you know? I uh, This is obviously a silly criticism, which is why I put in side notes and not in, in the real review. Mm. But that fucking baby triples in size within hours of being born. In the opening scene, the same day as that baby mm-hmm. is born, when Dom, Angus Samson's character, is holding the baby in his arms and he is, like, pushing away at him. 
<laughs> like, yeah, that's not what newborn babies likely premature in this regard as well. I don't think that was quite Broad, term you're not a parent. You don't get it. You don't get it. <laughs> that kid was closer to walking than it was to being a baby by the time she's taken that kid home after four days in the hospital or whatever. It's all that breast milk. That's what it does. It's all, the, yeah, this is the way breast is best. An example of a line that I actually liked, mm. right? Because it was subtle, it wasn't overstated in its performance or its writing, and it just timing of it was good, was when Dom is talking to Mateus and they're having an argument about like um who's like putting the name of the birth certificate, uh sorry, Santi's name on the birth certificate is the mm. father. The conversation ends when Mateus gets a phone call, he's like, I've got to go, your wife's calling me. Yeah. And I was like, that that was effective. Sick burn. Yeah. Why was that so hard? That was a like it didn't need to be any more than it was. It was just like, oh, cool. Mm. You have the ability sometimes. Uh, I do want to also point out Dane had a couple of favorite lines. One in particular I wanted to bring out. Um, <laughs> Claudia Carver's tar- character is telling Ang- Angus Sampson that Jacinda is getting christened. Mm-hmm. Dom replies, she's getting christened in a church. And Andrew replies, no, in a servo. Yes, in a church. That was one of his favorite lines. Damas disagrees <laughs> with <disagree>. that. <laughs> Least favorite and favorite episodes. What was your least favorite episode, Damask? Um, all of them. I hated this show. Right. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say my least favorite episode was Relative Strangers, episode three. Mm-hmm. It was where I was just really aware of how the show wasn't very effective at what it was doing. It was clunky. There was zero pace. Mm-hmm. Everyone's insufferable. Also, um, in terms of that show, Lockie is a person, right? Why doesn't yes. he have more feelings about being cheated on? Well, he like, does. It comes out many. when he comes over and tells her, I hate you. I fucking hate you. I hate everything about yeah. you. And then leaves the room. Ugh. Which is an extremely dramatic way to express your feelings. Again, a teenager, like, can't take that away also, from I, I love the foreshadowing that he's perhaps bisexual by them making him wear, like, a fishnet top. Yeah, in that scene as well. Do you feel like there were like, it felt sometimes like there were decisions being made on the fly like that? Like, oh, geez, we need to really lay some track for the idea that he's going to be bisexual. Put a fishnet singlet on him in this scene. Yeah, probably. Which seems out of place with everything we've seen beforehand, but yeah. whatever. Um, yeah, that, that, that episode, I was just like, what are we doing here? I don't understand what this show is. There's so much thematic potential and none of it is being used currently. Mm. Favorite episode. Um, maybe the first, um, because I thought like, oh, she's, you know, not, doesn't seem to be, or she's like maybe got just a handle on her OCD. That might be Uh an interesting dynamic in the show in the future. Um, I like when she's in the ambulance and the guy's like, you're having a baby. And she's like... No, I'm not. Fuck that. Like, I thought that was quite interesting. I like that whole sequence. I like the ambo. I like the awkwardness of having to tell a teenager about to cut her underwear. Like, it was sort of horrific and real and like... I thought this this show had a really strong opener Mm -hmm. and it was all downhill from there. Yeah, I I really like the pilot overall as well. Um, Apart, like, that's the thing. It's like where we started was perfectly fine. Um, yeah. It was what they didn't do afterwards. I'm actually going to give my favorite episode to episode nine, All Happy Families. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the episode where um, we have that really effective moment. 
uh, we sort of we we recenter on the idea that Ollie is a high achieving teenager who wants to do well at high school and we have that mm. scene when she's doing her test and it's subtle it's not overstated she doesn't have a big dialogue afterwards where she you know says anything dramatic she just obviously is ready to escape because she something's wrong here at this point mm. i thought that was good the relationship between ollie and santi i was starting to get invested with because they'd done the time to get us to that point so the stuff that was happening with her living with santi's family was mm. more interesting I did, yeah i thought that was good to have her move in and just trying to get away from her family a little bit that yeah makes sense to me yeah um it just all of that stuff started to work which only added the frustration of why it took so long to get somewhere like this. But I was like, okay, cool. If this is what the show can be and maybe into season two, then there's maybe they just need to, I don't know, teething problems, getting mm. the show started off the ground. But this mm. is working now. So yeah. more of this, please. And oh, also, my God. I, sorry. Sorry. When um, the Angus Sampson and Claudia Carvin's character are having the family meeting with mm. Bowie, which was, a, which was a gag that was terrible as well, the mm-hmm. Bowie thing on the on the screen and so um, frustrating so frustrating and just again caricature not a real mm. character not funny so yes it's not Agreed. worth being there um and then ollie that that argument that starts when ollie just flat out says in the meanest possible way what they're trying to have this meeting with bowie about i was like oh good these people are finally starting to actually rather than being passive aggressive all the time in their frustration with each other as a family they're just having an emotional discussion and argument finally. I was like, oh, there's some drama here. Not every scene needs to be yelling and screaming and stuff, but I was like, finally, I feel like you people are actually talking about the problem here for a second. It didn't last long. First of all, that scene is all yelling and screaming. Yeah, but there hadn't been any up to that point. Everything was passive aggressive before that. Everything with every scene. I mean, Ollie speaks to people that way throughout the entire show. So it made me... And, and to tell nobody, your brother that your parents are splitting up in that way, I'm like, oh, cool. She's still a cunt. Great. She was, but it started an argument about how she was a cunt. Like, again, she was called out for it. But um, ultimately, like... But but she's running... She's halfway out the door when that is said. And then really it, it becomes a conversation about what her parents are doing. It's just, I don't yes. know. Like, at that point, I was like, it's same shit, different day, to be honest with you. I, d- I didn't think it was quite the revelation. I'm not saying it was a revelation. I'm mm. saying it was closer to what the show right. could have been doing for a mm. while now and actually having dramatically mm, energised scenes. Mm-hmm. I'm not, it wasn't a sophisticated scene, but it was something more than what we'd been getting. Right. I just uh, had yeah. a flashback, which isn't related to anything that you were saying. But do you remember one early episode that begins with a character we haven't seen before? Um, she's at their dinner table, falls backward and starts crying because her female yep. partner has left her. Yep. Yep. It was awful. Yep. Why, who, what, when, where? Like that character she's is someone's sister. Once- I yes. think it's. I think no, it's. No, I understand that. Why is she there? Why does she disappear? Why, like, what is she that character doing? Christening. Yes, she does. You see her in the christening. What the fuck is that about? It makes no sense to me. <sighs> uh, I, I, I mean, I know what it's about is the fact that they needed Angus Sampson to have that conversation with someone because they couldn't think of another way to do it. So they invented this fucking gay sister thing who then is just thrown away after that scene. You see her maybe, yeah, at the christening again. That's it. Well, the problem Why was they didn't really make time? her a character. They had her have 
a scene where she's embarrassingly drunk. Yeah. Um, and then to and tell Angus Sampson's character that he's being a tool bag. Awesome. I don't think we like the show. Predictions, hopes, <laughs> and concerns. <laughs> to Mass, do you have any predictions, hopes, concerns for season two, which is coming because it's been renewed for a second mm. season? I mean, I hope they scrap the initial premise for this show entirely and just make the show about Rosa because that's the only character <laughs> I am interested in. Like, she's amazing. So she's incredibly intelligent, top of her school. She immigrates to Australia, marries some fucking douchebag who, like, wants to diminish her spark. She's, like, very few options as to what to do with her life. She's trying to maintain that spark. She realizes that he's cheated on her. I want to see where she goes from here. I'm interested in that character. She's the only one I'm interested in. And maybe the grandma, but that's it. Can can you see how she, in the original, what I, this is my theoretical, original movie script, she was that character that's sort of been this weirdo along the way. She's not really a character. She's sort of a big personality on the sidelines who then mm-hmm. has this revealing moment for our main character as we enter the third act mm-hmm. um, about, like, what it means to have a baby and what it's going to do to your planned future, etc. Like... The reason that scene worked is because yeah. I think <laughs> that would have worked in a movie too. Um, okay. And I finally got to the point where it was back to being the movie it originally meant to be. Mm. Uh, well, this is like because predi- she's put up as this like evil stepmom and then to reveal far more layers there and then for her to actually have the insight that's closest to what Ollie's actually going through is a really nice turn. Yeah. Um, I think it could have been done better, but I think the actress was great and I like her I character and she's the only one I like. It was one of the better, best performed scenes in the entire show. Yeah. There's a lot of bad drunk acting in the show as well, but she did it quite well, I thought, <sighs> in that scene. Um, I think Bowie will come home in season mm-hmm. two and that'll cause family tension and, and drama, I guess, because oh, but think of such the comedic relief he'll bring, Broad. Uh-huh. Um, also... I got this feeling that Angie might be pregnant or might be about to get pregnant in season two. Oh, fuck off. I hope not. Yeah. The, the, especially when the premise of the show is about like an unexpected pregnancy and there was that line between Rosa and uh, Angie about like, you know, having a kid at 16. She's like, oh, I wouldn't recommend having them at 46. We're just talking about the fact that she's, she's about that age now and she's got mm. Ollie, but... I thought was maybe foreshadowing the idea that she's going to either be pregnant with uh, Mateus's or possibly Dom's baby that they might reconnect in a ma- in a drunken, lonely situation, and then she'll get pregnant, and that will create more drama between those two. That's what this show ex- needs: is more moving parts. Fabulous. Yep, go for it. Chuck them all in. Told you this is home and away level drama. This uh, that that is my mm. predictions. Mm-hmm. My hopes for the show are, um, don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know. I hope what it I gets hope better. It. I definitely hope it gets better. I hope it's more. Character Do you think it has the potential? Away. Do you think it has the potential to get better? I think if they do a character cull and maybe five episodes a season, hmm. and just focus on character, yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. We apologize if we uh, maybe shat over a show that you quite enjoy. Dane, I'm, I'm sorry. speaking of you. 
can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Hull of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at bgordis, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask. You can find me on Twitter at maskymoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Next episode, we'll be back with an episode of Off Topic Hot Topic. This is our first for the year. And then the week after that, we'll be back to discuss The Sopranos Season 4. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Good night, everybody. And so, we leave.